Welcome to Big SEC Guys. I'm your host, Daniel Poppy Southers, and this is my co-host, Tucker, the damn good dog, Compton. We are the Big SEC Guys. They're the Big SEC Guys. Tuck, I've got one question for you that I want to start out the pod with, and that's what is happening to our precious SEC? I don't know. We picked one hell of a time to uh, start an SEC podcast right on its uh, downfall here, it seems like. But uh, Love that. I these first two weeks, I mean, look, and I, I've never been – I'm, I'm not going to – I think I told you early on, I'm not going to be some – sec homer when i come on this pod i'm gonna tell you how it is i I mean i'm not gonna you've seen my picks first two weeks i've picked against i picked against bama this week i thought they were gonna lose i picked against lsu last week i thought they were gonna lose um or two i think you're gonna see you know i I, honestly it bothers me when i do listen to some other podcasts because i listen to a lot of them i mean it's the easiest way to get information these days in bulk and so i it, it really bothers me when someone's sitting there blowing smoke up my you know what because you know the sec this sec that and, and the reality is sec has been a two three team conference for the past few years oh, yeah. um very top heavy yeah, I mean, it's very top heavy and now we're just starting to see some of those top teams kind of even out and, and so I, I think that's what's happening it, it you know the bottom tier has, has the bottom and middle i will say i feel like has kind of not been holding on to the straws of the top teams for, for a little bit now uh and now you know we're seeing some of those top teams fall off and, and so there there's reason to be concerned i agree tuck i mean you you mentioned it the the SEC is getting absolutely just dominated by the ACC so far this season. By the way, Tuck, new podcast idea, big ACC guys. What are your, <laughs> do you have any thoughts? I don't know. We're, we're probably one of multiple SEC podcasts, but we might be the only <laughs> ACC one. We, so. we might be the only ACC podcast on the market. I'd love that. It's, it's something maybe it's about. what the people have been looking for this whole time. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's what we're missing is the – the ACC. I mean, I'm with you. We we need to reevaluate the SEC, the hierarchy of the SEC. I, you're right. One of the things I don't like is when you listen to one of our rival SEC podcasts and you hear them hear about them just talking about how great the SEC is, and even now, and I I have some doubts personally. I I still think the SEC is the best conference in college football but it, i i do not hold it in the same light that maybe i did three weeks ago before the season started i'll tell you that right now so definitely not and so, well i mean i think this is a good transition into i, I think we're probably going to start off with this alabama texas game so let me start off by asking you this Dan. oh man coming out of that game did you take it more of texas is back or bama is down We've been looking at a lot of data for the podcast and our 
our top three listeners are South Carolina fans, Georgia fans, and Alabama fans. So I hate to, <laughs> I, I hate to alienate, you know, one third of our population here, but it this looked like an Alabama is down. I, I agree. And that's why I brought it up. Cause I, yeah. I keep hearing people coming up and saying, Texas is back. Texas is back. And I, I was sitting there watching. I was like, hey, Bama's just not, they're not that next tier team. Like they have been. And, and we I were, agree. we were talking about it all off season. Um, it, it seems, seemed like a potential rebuilding year for Alabama. And when I say rebuilding for Alabama, I don't mean it in the same vein. A, a that I build. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't mean it in the same vein that I do in Auburn or, or Texas A&M or any of these other teams. I mean, when Alabama rebuilds, I still think they're going to win nine or 10 games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the quarterback's not there. They've got a true freshman on that offensive line. Oh my God. Um, don't now, get me started on the offensive line. And I, I took, I do think Texas is a very good team, but I just think Bama is too one or two dimensional this year uh, with, you know, banking on Milrose legs or the deep ball. And and there's just nothing in between. It seems like. See, I almost think they're, I almost think they're no dimensions. I mean, I, I, I'm not impressed. I, I was not impressed with Milrow. Obviously, I think anybody watching that game is thinking this guy's got a ways to go as a passer. Um, I, I didn't like the offensive line. I thought Texas was super disruptive. One of the players I've been the most disappointed in this season is Jace McClellan. I mean, I I thought he was the next star running back out of Alabama, and, and he doesn't look, you know, he, he doesn't even look like a top five SEC running back. I mean, he there were struggles. You're right. I mean, they're, they're not afraid to throw the, the deep ball. Maybe that's Saban's new strategy. They, they like to throw it downfield, but this is not your, this is not your mother's Alabama. This is not your father's Alabama. This is not the Nick Saban teams of old that would run it down your throat, get out to a lead, have double the time of possession, play good defense and just grind it out. I thought, I thought Texas did to Alabama what Alabama usually does to other people, and they did that at Alabama, which was – I was shocked by that. I mean, I I know it was a 10-point win for Texas. I, I thought it – I thought they were more dominant than than a 10-point victory personally. I, I thought Texas looked really good, and I was not impressed with Alabama. Yeah, I mean, I did, Alabama couldn't put together any good, long, sustained drives. Uh, I mean, their only uh, touchdowns were on 40- and 50-yard passes. They were bummed. <laughs> yeah. You know, stepped back and heaved it, and it, it just seemed like he was he that uh, Texas was bringing pressure early. Uh, you know, bringing extra men, making Milrow make a quick decision, and I thought that's exactly what they would do. Because I mean, if I was a defense coordinator, that's exactly what I would have done: make him make a quick decision. Um, and he threw a couple picks, and, and then and then by the time the game was. Moving on, I think he started getting scared, and so he would take three steps, and if his first guy wasn't there, he was just immediately looking to run even when he did have a pocket. And then by the end of the game, it felt like the O-line was just in shambles, and, uh, I mean, they were blitzing four people at the end, Texas was, and just getting pressure every single time, it felt like. There's there's nothing worse than <laughs> watching a team rush three or four <laughs> 
people against your offensive line and being as disruptive <laughs> as they were. I got a taste of that week one with South Carolina. North Carolina yeah. was rushing three and getting sacks. I was like, this is a disaster. I will say, I mean, I, I think Texas's defensive front is definitely a step above North Carolina's. But, yeah. oh, you know, yeah. Alabama's O-line coming into this season was supposed to be top five in the country. Easy. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people had them over Georgia's. Um saying these guys are monsters, they're huge, they're going to be great. And, yeah, they are big. But, I mean, when you go up to Texas and you allow nine tackles for loss and five sacks, when you have a scrambling quarterback at quarter, sitting back there, I mean, you have someone that can escape, um, which means, you know, I think he got out a few times. And so it's it just isn't great. Um, now, I mean, I, I'm not – gonna sit here and say Alabama's doomed the dynasty's over I don't want to go down that road at the end of the day Texas is a top 10 at least football team um I mean yeah they're gonna be ranked top five easy after this week um and but and look they're not an SEC team so Alabama can still run the table win the west you know and then beat Georgia in the SC championship and there goes all the naysayers, but yeah, that's a playoff resume. You know, it's still, I don't see it with this team. They got to change some things. I I mean, whether, I mean, either they got to put in some more running back or some quarterback running options. I mean, I'd love to see some more wildcat type stuff, a mill or something, um, or, or do something, that helps Melrose get the ball out of his hands quicker, just like a quick one-two read. Um, but this, it's not working uh, uh, the way it is currently set up. And, and unless they change, they're they're a nine or ten win team this year, and, and that's you know by normal standards, that's still a good season. But by Alabama standards, that's a huge disappointment. Yeah, and I mean this is not your Alabama teams of a couple of years ago. I mean, think back just a few years ago, they're littered with NFL star talent. I mean, you've got Jalen Hurts, you've got Tua, you've got Mac Jones. Obviously, Jalen Milrow is not any of those. You think about the wide receivers. You had guys like Jamison Williams. You had guys like Jalen Waddell. Oh, how can I forget? Devonta Smith, who won the Heisman. Like, this Alabama team does not have. I'm watch. I'm watching them, and I'm thinking, who who's the star at receiver? Is it yeah the Georgia transfer Jermaine Burton, who I don't think's that great. Like what? Where's the star power at receiver that they used to have? Where's the star power at running back that they used to have? I I thought Jason McCle- McClellan was going to be that guy. Was going to be the next star, but it's like that like that gift, Tuck. You're not that guy. Jason McClellan, <laughs> you're not that guy. Like he's, he's just not, not yet, you know. I just um, not yet. And then Jalen Milrow, he's this. This is not a playoff quarterback. This is not a national championship quarterback. Um, yeah, so I, I'm I don't, just curious if I don't they hit on like a good transfer in the portal. How uh, from a from a quarterback standpoint, how good they might be. Um, yeah, you know they would still have the issues at running back and in line, but I think it would fix a lot of the problems that they currently have. Nick Saban, if you're listening, do not look at Lenora Sellers. <laughs> <game top freshman. laughs> do not even think about it. 
Don't even think about it, Nick Saban. Um, I'll tell you what else. That kid on Texas, that uh, that freshman, Anthony Hill, who was the five-star, he looks so good. Yeah. He looked incredible. You know, yeah. I like recruiting. He was the one of the top linebacker recruits. He was a five-star. He looked unbelievable. Man, he looked good. All right. Well, you want to transfer from that over to your South Carolina game since uh, you, you've kind of leeway into what you want to talk about there oh gosh okay yeah let's talk Gamecocks Furman I don't want to take a lot of time on this Gamecock fans listening there there was a lot of good to take out of that that win Furman is a top five FCS team uh they're they're a good FCS team in South Carolina after a bit of a rocky start um sort of turned it on there and and took care of business Spencer Rattler was basically perfect. I think he's the best quarterback in the SEC. Um, But more importantly, we got to see a lot of the future, and the future is in the shape of a six foot three, two hundred forty five pound man child named Lenora Sellers. And spoiler alert: he's got the goggles, he's got the sports glasses. He looks really cool, Tuck. I've been telling you about this guy a lot, and you've been. Not very nice to me via text, telling me I'm <laughs> telling me I'm delusional, telling me I'm unrealistic. I, well, I don't, I, I don't want to call South Carolina fans delusional in back-to-back podcasts, but no, you just don't go tell on me that your future is bright because the number thirty-four quarterback uh, out of two four seven is going to come in in two years and be your savior. You know, that, there's still a lot to be seen there. Well, he's going to come in next year and be our savior first and off, after, but- after four passes. Secondly, my yeah, four passes against Furman too, which against is the funniest Furman. thing. Uh, I do agree with that, but at the same time, I my takeaway from that game were were really Spencer Rattler very good, Xavier Leggett continues to be very good, and then I we got a glimpse at what twenty twenty five is going to look like for South Carolina, and I like what I saw. The freshman that played looked great. I know it's Furman, but I was I was impressed. Beamer, you're you're back off the hot seat. Congratulations! Uh, <laughs> this I, I really amazing. Think, what a good win over Furman do for you. That's that's the beauty of being a South Carolina fan. A winner over Furman, and you're back in our good graces. Um, I, I'm really excited about the Norris Cellar. So that that's my takeaway. I don't want to take too much time because there's not much to get into. Do you want to hit? Uh, do you want to hit your precious Georgia really quick? And we yeah, can I'll, I'll, our, our favorites. The dog, you know, actually this week, it seems like the dogs in South Carolina are two of the only teams that kind of did what we we're supposed to do this week. Yeah. Um, I will say I got a lot of texts early on in that game saying, what is going on with this Georgia game and blah, blah, blah. It, of course, people not even really watching it. We had two drives. First drive, we went down 75 yards, missed a, a short field goal. And then Ball, Ball State just did a good t- job. And I think that's kind of all these D2 schools game plan is to try to, you know, take as much clock as possible and, and just shorten the game up. Um, but fun things from this game, I, th- I think having our uh, wide receiver, Rosemary Jack Saint, back in the game was – it didn't show up really on the stat sheet, but it, it felt apparent from the leadership pers- perspective. Makai Muse, who I talked about last week, the little Tyreek Hill-looking Tyree guy, Hill. like punt, punt return this week to, to uh, get us going. I mean, he he looks – he's so fun to watch. I, I, I'm kind of scared if he ever gets decked in like a 
Alabama <laughs> game, I, it, his head might fall off because he is just so tiny. But I in the like meantime, the best, guys. yeah, I, I'm, en- I'm enjoying watching him just beat up on these bad teams. Um, you know, I wish we covered. I'll take the push. But, yeah. you know, all, all in all, I think Georgia took a big step forward, especially offensively, um, but also defense. I, I mean, defense looked nasty. Yeah, that defense looks good. Y'all's secondary looks unbelievable, man. Um, that's going to be a good defense, and we know Kirby Smart's – I don't even need to say probably. Kirby Smart's the best defensive mind in college football, right? I can't think of anybody else who, who it would be. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be Kirby at this point. If you go back to Alabama so. days and everything that he's yeah. done, um, and we'll probably be talking about that later on my uh, duds and studs. Oh yeah, that's a listener. That's a tease. We're going to introduce a new segment later, studs and duds. So look forward to that. That'll be after we review the games. But we're excited about that new new weekly segment. It's going to be great. Um, you want to run through some of these? Maybe let's call them less significant games, and then we can hit the highlights of uh, the bigger ones. Yeah, um, I'll talk Tennessee because I yeah, always I watch say, that game. I watched it as well. I have I have one major thought. I bet it, I bet you have a similar thought about yeah, Joe Milton. But what's, uh, I think I, I bet you're thinking the same thing. Joe Milton just throws the ball too hard. It's crazy. I mean, we were all texting David about this game, yeah. and and he was like, I mean, it's slightly off. I was like, yeah, but like when the ball's slightly behind a receiver and a normal person throws it, it's still caught. When he throws it, I mean, unless it hits them in the chest. And sometimes even when it does hit them in the chest, I mean, it just goes through their hands. Their wide receivers just do not look. I mean, that losing Tillman and I, I think, is really going to hurt Tennessee down the stretch. And you're right. I mean, I – I thought this. I thought this Tennessee receiving core was going to be the Brew McCoy and Squirrel White show, and I, I haven't been super impressed with either of them through two weeks. So we'll see if they can. No, but they're still playing well. I mean, Tennessee's offense is still good, and all all they got to do is click in any game. I I still think they're the second best team in the East. Oh, without question. Yeah, I, I I think it's Georgia. uh, A let's call it a small to medium gap, Tennessee. And then a large gap, and then you can sort of, yeah, choose your own adventure from there. <laughs> you can make an argument for any order for the remaining teams, and I, I probably would, would agree with you. Uh, right. And I'll say that the governors, Austin P, I was impressed. I thought they looked pretty good, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, the one other thing I, I noted down here for this game is it felt like they're. Tennessee's defense took a little step back, but I think if we've learned anything from all of these games is don't take anything from any of these D2 school games. Uh, I mean, yeah, Alabama, everyone thought was incredible because Jalen Monroe could literally just run through MTSU's defense. Um, but, you know, there, there's these games are more of a practice for a lot of these coaches and, and they treat it as such. Yeah, we're definitely gonna we're gonna have a 
teaching session after this talk where I explain to you what schools are division one versus division two. Yeah, maybe, maybe you got to help me out with that. Ball State and Austin Peer, both division one, but that's whatever there. Uh, they're basically division two. Basically like, division like two. Calling them division <laughs> two. They might as well be division two. Uh, they're division I love two that. to me. In my head, they're division two, Dan. That's all that matters. That's hilarious. Uh, LSU Grambling. We knew that was going to be a fun one. LSU 72 to 10. Anything from that game other than Jaden Daniels still really good. Yeah, I mean, Dan Daniels, good for him to kind of get back on the horse after losing to Florida State and not yeah. looking so great last week. Obviously, tore up Grambling, but not going to take a whole lot from it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I still like Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. I think you could argue that's the the best wide receiver one-two punch in the SEC that's healthy once Antoine Wells is back. We'll make that argument, but that's a really good one-two punch. And then I liked seeing the Notre Dame transfer, Logan Diggs. I thought he looked really good. Uh, he was great at Notre Dame. He went to LSU. I think he's from Louisiana, so it was, it was fun to watch him carve up Grambling. Uh, so that was that was the highlight for me. And now time for a quick commercial break. This podcast is actually sponsored by The Cottage Shop, the premier wedding shop in Savannah, Georgia, and your one-stop shop for wedding registry, fine china, calligraphy, and custom invitation design. The Cottage Shop, where weddings happen. Let's keep it moving, Tuck. We're making good time. I like it Um, because we got some of the more important games we're going to talk about coming up. Eastern Kentucky, Kentucky, my takeaway there. That game was way too close, too close for comfort. Um, Eastern Kentucky was probably leading as half the game, uh, which was sort of shocking. I I don't think this is a good Eastern Kentucky team either. So that I've got a lot of questions about Kentucky. I thought Devin Leary played well. Um, yeah. Robinson, that kid's a stud. I thought he was really good. Uh, and other than that, I was, I had some concerns. What were your thoughts? I mean, Kentucky got off on a bad foot um, yeah. in the first half, and, and I mean, super ugly first half. And then, honestly, the second half they scored touchdowns on all their drives. They just only had three drives, and that kind of goes back to what I was talking about with the UGA game with, with yeah, the D two time of possession. Yeah, they they sit there and they just hold on to the ball and they force you to check it down, and and they sit in that huddle until there's five seconds left on the play clock. And then, you know, next thing you know, you only get three drives in an entire half. And it's kind of like, well, I'll put up 21 points, but what am I supposed to do? Um, so it's, you know, it, I, I think Kentucky looked worse than they were. Obviously they got off on a, a bad foot, it, but I'm not taking too much from it. They could have just been, you know, had a, had a big night the night before or something, and and so these guys weren't taking the game too seriously. And that happens. I mean, we've seen this throughout the SEC. This I do think this is a, a pretty good Kentucky football team, all things considered. But we've seen it time and time again where the SEC team plays a sort of an underwhelming, undermanned, low D1 or Division two type team and just doesn't take them seriously. And then they get sort of punched in the mouth and – they sort of have to wake up and say, all right, we need to, we've got more talent. We've got more size. We need to take care of business. And that's inevitably what happened here. 
Yeah, and I think the coordinators are in the same boat. You know, I think they're probably calling the yeah, game. Yeah. Um, very vanilla. You know, very yeah. vanilla. Don't want to show anyone anything. And then as soon as they're forced to turn it on, then they they kind of turn it on. You're exactly right. Tuck, don't look it up. Eastern Kentucky Division One or Division Two? D two in my head. Uh, that's all that matters. Close. <laughs> they were D two, but they switched to D one about <laughs> forty years ago. <laughs> they're, they're also Division One, which is exciting. Uh, uh, Kent, Kent State, Arkansas. What were your thoughts there? Um, you know, I like like Kent State. Tricky little team as a Georgia fan. I'm, I'm not a Kent State. Try to sneak up on us last year. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, you know, I think it was another situation. Arkansas's offense kind of looking uh, sluggish through the first half of the game, but then kind of turned it on at the end. Had a good couple offensive drives at the end. Um, and then Kentucky's defense kind of bailed him out um, for, for most of the first half. I, I think they had a pick six. Um and they went for it on their own, like, 35-yard line and didn't get it. And the defense had, like, a negative 17-yard uh, drive pushing Kent State back to get him back out of field goal range. So, yeah. you know, defense was helping them out, uh, which is nice to see Arkansas's defense kind of step up when, when their offense isn't there to do much. Um, but like we said before, their, their offense kind of turned it on at the end. Yeah, we got a glimpse of Missouri transfer, Trey on Jeffcoat, who I think is really good. He had two sacks, could have been more. He was super disruptive. He was awesome at Missouri, so it was it was cool to see him switch over to Arkansas and play well. Um, KJ Jefferson, just sort of a game manager game. I like these types of games because you can watch watch the SEC team just absolutely run the ball, smash mouth football. Auburn ran it 45 times. Auburn, sorry. Arkansas ran it 45 times, which was hilarious to watch. And Kent State didn't have a ton of answers, which makes sense. They don't have the the size or talent to do that. A quick Kent State story. I got so frustrated with them last year, Tuck, because as you remember, Georgia plays South Carolina, and I think y'all beat us, what was it, like 50 five to seven or something like that is that 48 something? but 48 you. to seven actually yeah down there. yeah oh yeah <laughs> I, in my head I, I think i just like you could have told me any score as long as it was a lot to a little i would have said that sounds right um but then y'all played kent state the next week and kent state hung in the game almost the whole time and i think y'all won by what two touchdowns maybe and in my head, I thought, is Kent State that much better than South Carolina? Like, what is, <laughs> what is happening here? And I know that, that's not how it works. That but. Georgia team last year was, I don't know what, I, I think Monken at times was really just scared to show any of his cards ever. Um, so there were games that he showed out, and then there were games that he just, you know, tried to do nothing, and, and it showed. He's saving them for the big games. Makes yep. sense. Um, I like it. Middle Tennessee, Missouri. This one, I think the takeaway here is what, what is Missouri doing? Duck what's happening on my notes? I have Mizzou equals bad. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's a a peek behind the curtain folks. Those are some of the notes that make this the best SEC podcast. I just scrolled down to my notes section and that's pretty much all I had there. But yeah, no, was it it Mizzou equals bad exclamation point or question mark? (laughs) I really just want to know. No, no pronunciation or what's, what am I 
looking for. Uh, no exclamation needed. Um, but they, uh, you know, shoot, this game got down to the end, and then I, oh my gosh, did you see the, the fumble in the back of the end zone? Yeah, the oh, safety yeah. the wire, and it's like if that ball literally jumps right instead of left and going out of the end zone and MTSU hops on that thing. Like it, they, they win that game. Probably they win the football game. And keep in mind, this is a, an MTSU team that just got absolutely blown out by Alabama, by Alabama. I mean, yeah. got destroyed. What was it? 50 something to seven. I think if I remember correctly, I, I mean, had something. Yeah. A lot to was, a little. Yeah. It was just a lot to a little. So is we don't think Alabama's, listener Alabama is still a very good football team right let the record state we just we don't think Alabama is what they usually are which is like an elite elite top you know five football team I think that's fair to say we don't think Alabama is that so what does that make Missouri yeah I mean I I will say I I think like you know the Alabama tier what they have is they got dudes you know everyone's just bigger faster stronger than everyone on Missouri four star five star basically and so it's just kind of you know, when they play in MTSU, it's just bully ball. You know, they get yeah. to do what they want when they want. Um, while when Missouri plays them, it has to be a little bit more schemey and you got to kind of hit the guys that you want. But yeah, I mean, if I'm a Mizzou fan, I, I am not happy coming out of that week. Um, yeah, hitting the concern button. Yeah. Because you're right. Missouri did try to play bully ball 46 rushes, but they only averaged 2.4 yards per carry. So yeah. Give they, weren't really they weren't really <laughs> bullying anybody. Yeah. And so maybe they were too scared to show anyone anything too. But, you know, when you're getting that close, maybe time to to pull some 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 more fun plays out of the bag and, and, and do, do what you need to do to get out of there with a win. And I guess they did, but it was still – you know, too close for comfort for me. And this Missouri team honestly reminds me a little bit of the South Carolina team last year where they, it looks like they literally only have one receiver and it's Luther bird in the third, who I think is a very good receiver. I think he's elite. I think he's a top, top receiver in the SEC, but I mean, it looked like they had nobody else. I mean, every time Brady cook dropped back to pass, it was a one read. It was like, okay, Luther open. Yes, throw it to a Luther not open. <laughs> Either throw it to him anyways, or you yeah. know, scramble or do whatever you had to do. So well, and NCSU just throw it up to your dudes. I mean, you should be oh, able yeah. you should be able to make those kind of plays. Um, but I don't know. It, when we do our power rankings later, we got I'm sure we both have Missouri down in our bottom three, and it's for a reason. Yeah, Missouri's not looking good. Speaking of teams that aren't looking good, but they're back. They're back. Florida, 49-7 over, I think it's McNeese. McNeese. I've got some fun facts here. Um, Can't wait. Well, Utah had to come back in the fourth quarter to beat Baylor. Baylor lost to Texas State week one, Um, and Utah handled Florida. And McNeese's only other game this season, they lost to Tarleton State. By 18 points week one. Why have I heard why have I heard of Tarleton State? That rings a bell. I have not. So <laughs> I, I don't know. You know, I'm not I'm not pumped about this win if I'm Florida. I you know, maybe it was nice to just have a week off to think about the upcoming season and because and, yeah. they got what Tennessee coming up, right? They do, yeah. They've got Tennessee this week, which 
that's that's not going to be good for Florida. Is my probably opinion. not. But you know, I, I saw the line on that one. Not to jump into our next podcast already, but six and a half for Tennessee. Yeah, I will say um, I saw Joe Monroe. Shout out Joe Monroe at uh, Rocky's Deli last week. Another another Rocky's Deli plug for the pod. <laughs> Rocky should be. Rocky need should to be paying us at this point. Yeah. We'll do a Rockies commercial here soon, but uh, he he said his hot take. He gave me permission to share. He said, "Hey Dan, hot take: Florida's going to and I quote beat the brakes off of Tennessee." And I said, "Boy, that's <laughs> piping hot." Yeah, I, I he told me that too. Actually, we got lunch together, and I uh, I appreciated the take. I don't know if I'm yeah. going that way on it, but it is one of those things that scares me. You know, when you got a line that sounds too good to be true, it normally is. And uh, that does this is one of those. It sounds too good. Why would Tennessee not be favored by more than a touchdown? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, that Florida offense looked good. I think McNeese is absolutely terrible defensively, so take that with a grain of salt. This was sort of the Florida team I thought I would see in terms of the rushing attack. Montrell Johnson looked really good. Trevor Etienne looked really good. We got to see Trey on Webb. He looked really good. Um and then another receiver who's emerged for me this season is Ricky Pearsall. I mean, I, I think he we're we're probably gonna do a mid-season wide receiver type rankings. And Ricky Pearsall's playing himself into certainly into a top 10 SEC wide receiver ranking, maybe even like a top five or six. I think he's looked really, really good. I've been very impressed. Yeah, we'll see. We gotta see some more competition. Um yeah, we got a lot of season to go, that's for sure. Well, I like it. Let's keep it rolling. Um, is that have we covered all of the what I call sort of nonsense games? Well, yeah, we got layup games. Vandy left. We got Ole Miss left. We got Auburn left. And Texas A and M. Uh, yeah, we need to talk about this. Um, oh wait, and Mississippi State. Mississippi State's probably well. Those oh, yeah. were all. I mean, these were all close games. So yeah, these were all good games. Let's uh. Let's go down the line here on my screen. Let's talk Ole Miss Tulane. Um, I like this Ole Miss team, Tuck. Is it is it too soon to start the Jackson Dart Heisman campaign? Is it too early? I know he didn't play great against Tulane, but this Ole Miss team looks good. I you look. Know, I mean, they looked pretty good, but the more I was digging into this game you know it was kind of one of those like the borderline came down to fourth down conversions <laughs> i mean Tulane yeah. was two for five on fourth down while Ole Miss was three for three we know um, it loves going for it on fourth down yeah and one of Ole Miss's touch or fourth down conversions was like went for a 26 yard touchdown you know they they started off slow finished strong it is a good Tulane team so i don't want to not give them credit i mean especially yeah. this week when we went through you know the distraught that we went through as sec fans yeah i mean tulane won the cotton ball last year i'll yeah. keep harping on that this is a good football team now, tulane just... was out there starting quarterback as well sure yeah so that's i mean that's a lot to a high octane team like tulane taking a quarterback away from a team like that you know i and the backup guy Horton did not look good no it's a, a really important call out he he looked like a kid who had been sort of thrust into action and just hadn't had a lot of game reps. 
I yeah, and I, and I think Ole Miss's defense kind of smelt blood in that second half and decided to get on it. Um, yeah. I, in the second half, they held them to just a field goal, um, and they had a scoop and score. So I mean, and their defense looked good. Their defense, defense alone looked feisty. Beat Tulane in the second half. Yeah. Yep. So I, you know, I I do think they were good. I do think Tulane, you know, shot themselves in the foot. I, I mean, if they had a kicker. <laughs> we might be having a different story because they two of the times they went at forward on fourth down, I think we're on like the 31 and 36 yard line. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, and they didn't, they didn't kick field goals. So. Touch the question is knowing what we know now. I mean, we've, we don't have a lot of data, but we've got a little bit of data to, to start sort of start making informed opinions, predictions, things like that. Could this Ole Miss team win the SEC West? You know, I mean, I, I still think it's a stretch, uh, but I don't think it's as much as a stretch as it was at the beginning of the season. But I will say more so for me because of Alabama and LSU kind of showing flaws more than Ole Miss showing excellence. I agree. Ole Miss is – blue collar mentality. I mean, they've just showing up, taking care of business. I like that. Um, I still think LSU and Alabama have to be your, you know, your two picks, but we're going to, we're going to miss soon. Ole Miss is going to play Georgia tech week three. And I think that's going to be a, a relatively straightforward win. And then Ole Miss has Alabama LSU back to back. So we're going to learn a lot about this Ole Miss team very quickly. And, if this Ole Miss team can beat one of Alabama or LSU, they're going to be four and one, and all roads are sort of leading to the SEC championship for me. You've still got Georgia, which I'm going to mark everybody who plays Georgia as a loss until Georgia loses. But yeah, I mean that's that's Ole Miss's big thing um, coming from the West. They they got Alabama, LSU, LSU Georgia. Georgia. Um, but I mean, you got to think this Ole Miss team is going to be favored in every other game other than those three, right? You know, I, I mean, you would think – I still think Arkansas is pretty good too. I mean, I think having at yeah. Alabama, LSU at home, Arkansas at Auburn – I mean, Auburn's not looking great. But, I mean, those three in a row are – I think – I mean, those are tough. I, I think – Tough slate for sure. Yeah. So, we'll, we'll see how they handle those. Well, shout out to Ole Miss and an SEC team played a ranked non-SEC opponent and won. So good job, good <laughs> job, Ole Miss, making us proud. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, now, on the opposite end of making us proud, let's talk Texas A&M Miami. Question: Tuck, the question for this one is the BC Cadets. How many points do they score on Texas A&M? That BC offense is looking really good. High school football. You know, anyone that can throw and catch, I feel like can. Um, yeah. It's just, it looks. No answer for Tyler Van Dyke. Absolutely no answer. Yeah. I mean, how do you let Tyler Van Dyke put up that many touchdowns against yeah. you? I mean, what? Three, 375 and five touchdowns. And anecdotally, I, I don't think he's that great. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think he's good. I just, I, I think he has moments too, kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I, I will say Alabama was high on him trying to get him out of the transfer portal. 
That's that's true. Um, they were trying to grab. So, so were some other guys until Miami, I, I think, brought out the bag and and took care of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, it was one of those games. A and M had them. Uh, I mean, they blocked a punt um, and had a muff punt that turned into two touchdowns in the first half, and somehow yep. they were still down at halftime. Um, they were up. They were, uh, yeah. I mean, they were up for most of it, but then right at the end, they lost it to Miami in the first half. And then, you know, the rest of that game, it just completely fell apart for them. Um, it was a sloppy well, game on both sides. I mean, 17 penals, penalties for 170 yards. Uh, it felt like yeah. there was just flags coming out left and right. And every time someone did something good, a penalties brought it back. Um, so, I don't know. It, I think A&M had us, once again, thinking they were good just because of all the five-stars and four-stars they have on their team. Uh, Fisher got us again. And, us again. Yeah, he got us again. I mean, Once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on us, right? Fame me six times. What What the <laughs> hell does that mean? I, I mean, Fool me six times and we just – we're sick of you, Jimbo. It's his sixth year. He won enough. five games last year and he just lost – to a Miami team that won five games last year, like and they they can't fire them because they'll, they'll still have to pay them what sixty seventy know, million man. bucks. It's, it's nuts. The, it's gone down a little bit, I think, since you know it, it used to be completely out of the question. But now with the money that's coming in, I I, I think if he hasn't if he misses a bowl again this season, it is very much on the table. Man, could you imagine getting? Sixty million dollars to be really bad at your job—that would be incredible. I mean, for six years, just yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem like he's been there that long. I, I guess know. He has. that. It's one of those things, and you know, it's one of those. I, I will give Miami a little credit. Miami looked good. I, I do think Miami yeah. has kind of taken that step forward from last year. But and the ACC, the ACC's back, Tuck. Yeah, I mean, I'm not willing to go there. I don't. I mean, look, North Carolina beat South Carolina last week, and then turned around and, and loses that state. Don't the, remind me. Has to go to OT with that state. They did win. Oh, um, they ended up winning that game. Yeah, I didn't. But they went watch over. Um, and so you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the same thing happened in Miami. Like maybe, just maybe, A and M and Miami are both six, seven win teams, and and A and M is. A five-six win team, you know, it's just uh, the battle of the mediocre. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I, if Miami, I do, I, I would love to see. I want to see Miami in some future ACC matchups with Clemson, Florida State, yeah, North Carolina, that kind of thing. We we can see more where they stand up, um, but we, uh, it's hard to say. I, I do, like I said, I think they did take a step forward. Do I think they made this huge leap forward to where they are now a top 10 team or something like that? Absolutely not. Do I think they're a top 20, 25 team? Yes. Is this Miami? Miami. Miami. Yeah. yeah I was about to say. No. A&M, A&M <laughs> didn't take a step forward or back. A&M is yeah. who we thought they were. They are who we thought they were. I thought you were saying <laughs> Texas A&M looked like a top 25 team, and I thought, were we watching the same game? No, absolutely. I think Miami did. But I, I Was I watching a replay of the game from years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, Miami. Miami looked good. Texas A&M's defense looked really bad. 
I will say the one positive, we do have a few Texas A&M listeners. The one positive I took away was, I think Connor Weigman is, is that dude. He had to throw it a lot and he wasn't perfect. He threw two picks, but he was just, he was gunning it, which I liked. He was going for it. And then Evan Stewart, I, I watch Evan Stewart. You know how much I love Evan Stewart talk. I think he's, you could argue he's the best wide receiver in the SEC. He reminds me so much of Devonta Smith from Alabama. I mean, they look the same. They play the same. They, they're both just elite route runners who just sticky hands catch everything. I think that Connor Weigman Evan Stewart connection is going to be special. They're both true sophomores, so you're going to get another year out of them. And I, I think you've at least got a good. You've got your quarterback of the future, and you've got your star wide receiver. You just have to figure everything else out, and really, you got to figure things out defensively. Right. But Texas A&M has the talent. I mean, if we're looking at a talent index, they're going to be. They're probably a top ten team in college football if you just look at pure like top recruiting five. talent index. Yeah, maybe even top five. You're exactly top right. five, and they but and their defense is supposed to have a ton of those dudes, and and their secondary yeah. was supposed to be really good. Their defensive line was supposed to be really good, and they just didn't show up. Yeah, that's frustrating. You got to be if you're a Texas A&M fan, you got to be frustrated. You've got all this talent. You've got, in theory some good coaches it's not working out that way i i guess jimbo's not very good anymore but there was a time where he was very good um right but you know there was a time where he was very good so you got to start wondering like what is happening right that's that's the question um next one tuck my vanderbilt commodores folks spoiler alert i was wrong again um if you're if you're someone who likes betting, you should probably just bet against whatever I predict in next week's episode. That'd be a profitable strategy in in the current state. Uh, Vanderbilt, I still think Vanderbilt's pretty good, but uh, overpowered by Wake Forest. What were your takeaways, Tuck? Yeah, I mean this was a story of turnovers. Uh, Vandy honestly hung in there more than the score shows, but they had two picks, a muff punt. And they had two series that ended with uh, fourth downs, uh, just not making it, including a goal line stand by Wake Forest. Yeah. So, it, but you know, there's also not much takeaway when Wake Forest runs for almost 300 yards on you. Um, so, I, I mean, Vandy didn't look good. I do think they probably could have, on a different day, covered that 10 point spread if it makes you yeah. feel better. Yeah. Um, but Wake Forest was pretty much running at will against these guys. Yeah, that was a uh, Wake Forest playing smash mouth football. Um which makes sense when you're when your top two running backs are averaging six and a half and nine yards per carry. You might as well keep running it. Feed him the rush. <laughs> no, no reason really to do anything else. So that was just sort of Wake Forest overpowering overpowering Vanderbilt. Um, I honestly thought the Vanderbilt defense was was better than they looked against Wake Forest. They didn't look good against Wake Forest. I think anecdotally that should be a, a decent defense. Um, offensively, A.J. Swan were A.J. Swan guys. He threw for a bunch of yards. And then, you know, you had three receivers who played well. Jane McGowan, who I love. Will Shepard, who's been really good this season. I think he... 
don't quote me on this, but I think he might be leading the SEC in touchdown receptions. Um, they do have an extra game, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and then they've got that uh, that freshman kid they kept talking about, London Humphreys, who is from Nashville, local freshman wide receiver. He had a good game. So there's uh, there were some good moments for Vanderbilt. I know Vanderbilt fans don't really expect to win a lot of football games, but I I still think this is a Vanderbilt team that's going to cover that three and a half over. I still my takeaways. I still feel good about that. Yeah, still have hope there for sure. I mean, with everyone else being down, especially, all they got to do is steal one. Yeah. Let's talk about Arizona-Mississippi State, a classic overtime game. I love a good SEC game going in, SEC team going into overtime and just taking over and winning. Um, We know this Mississippi State team is, okay, you've got a good quarterback, Will Rogers. For some reason, they didn't feel like – throwing the ball, which was unique, uh, especially since Will Rogers' strength is is throwing the ball. Uh, you've got a good running back in Jaquavius Marks. If we were to do a running back ranking right now, I mean, he's – you could argue he's your he's first, second, or third best running back in the SEC. I agree. That's why – yeah, I mean, if you're looking at the stats, he's probably number one. And if you just if you if you like the eye test like I do, you watch this guy and you think this guy's a player. This guy is is really good. So it was good to see Mississippi State. We're going to talk a little bit about this more in our studs and duds. But Jet Johnson, oh my God, what a performance! Um, that guy's a stud between the sacks, the tackles for loss, the forced fumbles. He was doing it all. Uh, so this was a good grind it out, find a way to win. I thought Arizona looked pretty good. I thought Mississippi State looked pretty good, and they found a way to win. So I was pumped. Yeah, I, I look. I'm happy Mississippi State came away with a win here again. You know, on a week where there's not much to cheer for, uh, Mississippi State pulling something out that was awesome. I, I but I'm with you. Uh, there's, I get, you know, the new offense coordinator completely departing from the air raid. Um, yeah. But when you throw it 17 times and run it 37 times, that's not a balanced attack. And you got, and it's not like Will Rogers was terrible or anything. I mean, he went 13 for 17 with three touchdowns. I mean, when you throw the ball 13 times and you get three touchdowns out of it, you're doing pretty good. So I don't know. I want to see them kind of get a little bit more balanced attack um, and, and throw it a little bit more sling. I mean, Sling it out. You got you got arguably one of the best, arguably the best quarterback in the SEC. I, yeah. I mean, oh, you yeah. can make that argument. And statistically, the best quarterback in the SEC. Will Rogers sure. is going to leave the SEC with maybe multiple passing records. I mean, yeah. in history, in the history of the SEC. That's right. So I I don't know. I, and I do love Jaquavius Marks, and He's I'm, I'm going to talk to him about him and the studs and duds. But I like it. But I do also want to see them get sling it a little bit more. Yeah, I do too. I mean, you've got Will Rogers and Lida Trick Griffin. Like, what are we doing here? They're right. football. Um, play to your strengths. Yeah, play to your strengths. Football, tuck, football can sometimes, not to get too much on my soapbox, football can be a very simple game sometimes. And I feel like these coaches make it more complicated than it needs to be. I, I couldn't agree more. And this is This is a moment of that. And now, time for a quick 
commercial break. It's bow time, folks. And it's time to beeline to Bojangles for some famous chicken and biscuits. Now with the Bojangles app, you can order ahead, skip the line, and get that tender, juicy chicken right on time. Folks, let me tell you, nothing goes with SEC football and tailgating like Bojangles. Keep in mind, this podcast is not sponsored by Bojangles, but we love it. And it goes great with SEC football. Let's finish it. Auburn versus Cal. My my main takeaway from this game is when are we going to get to see the Savannah kid? Holden girl. <laughs> I'm serious. Peyton Thorne, not good. Robbie Ashford cannot throw the football. Like, what are we doing here? If you're Hugh Freeze, you've got look, I know, I know I we're I know I'm biased. He's a Savannah kid. He's a BC cadet. We we love Holden. Holden, come on the podcast. <laughs> Holden, if any of your friends are listening, tell tell him to come on the podcast. Um this I I mean, I'm watching that game and I'm watching Peyton Thorne and I'm thinking this is not a guy that's going to win you a bunch of football games. And then you're putting in Robbie Ashford to essentially do tuck, like you mentioned, the wildcat. And he's doing nothing that I think Auburn had like less than 200 yards of offense this game. Yeah, no, I'm looking right here on the drive chart. I mean, this had I I did not stay up to watch this game. I watched the, the quick version later. Thank the Lord I did. I, did. I watched I watched the 24 minute version. I don't yeah. know if you watched the same one. Yeah. <laughs> so it goes fumble, field goal. So the field goal was on a 13 yard drive. Punt, missed field goal on an eight yard drive. <laughs> punt, 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 fumble, touchdown on a 17 yard drive. So that came off the fumble. Then punt, fumble, touchdown again, 65 yard drive. So we had one good drive here. Then uh, punt, punt, pick, pick. Then fail to convert on downs, fail to convert on downs, miss field goal, punt, miss field goal, 69-yard touchdown by Auburn, the game sealer right there, punt, fumble, pick, end of game. <laughs> like, is that, that not the ugliest defense wins championships question mark i mean look I, as as an sec fan i appreciate some staunch d um but that i mean all the fumbles and picks and missed field goals i mean everything in that was just so ugly um it was just a wild game but you know what once again i'm pumped for auburn you know what? Yeah. Cal's, Two and oh. Two and Cal's oh, not a terrible team. Um, yeah, made the SEC they, proud. Auburn they had to go Auburn. all the way out there. Um, the game didn't finish till like one in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> Auburn time, Eastern time. Exactly. So, uh, you know, it was. I'm glad they they eat this one out, and I I hope they don't schedule any more games in California. Yeah, there's no point. I, like I said last week, um, I saw that game was at 10.30 and thought, well, I'll be asleep. So I'm going to have to catch that one the next day. I will say Eugene Asante, the UNC transfer, he he is not <laughs> linebacker, has not typically looked very good at North Carolina. I thought he looked great against Cal. I mean, he was, I know he was flashing on the 24 minute highlight tape, it seemed like he made a bunch of tackles. It seemed like he was really disruptive. Um, that's a guy to look out for on this Auburn, on this Auburn defense. 
Well, Tuck, should we do it? Is that all the games? Have we reviewed all the SEC games? That's it. I thought we did that in a pretty timely manner. I'm proud of us. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out to the two of us. We went through them. Let's uh, let's talk. You want to go shot for shot and we'll talk studs and duds? Yeah. You give us your stud and I'll give you a stud and then we just go back and forth. I love that. I'm excited for studs and duds. So I've... This is going to be fun. I'm going to share my studs and then Tuck's going to share his studs and then same thing with the duds. And it's important to note we have, we've, we've sort of discussed some folks we've thought of, but we haven't really told each other what our studs and duds are going to be. So this is going to be sort of a live, live reaction moment. Tuck, my stud number one is a, is a pretty simple one. And that is uh, Spencer Rattler, 25 for 27, 350 yards three touchdowns through the air, one touchdown on the ground. I know Tuck, we all know you're a big QBR guy. He had the best QBR uh, this week in the SEC Mm -hmm. and one of the best QBRs in the country. Uh, I know it was Furman, but he looked essentially perfect. And he was just named uh, this morning, actually was named SEC player of the week. So there you go. There you go. I I think it's well-deserved and uh, got a perfect cameo to that because i'm going with xavier leggett um oh, south carolina's wide receiver i, I mean the, because we didn't do this segment last week i i, I for a couple of these guys i kind of combined the two um but you sure. know he had six catches 118 yards against Furman and a touchdown and, and last week he had nine catches for 178 yards against north carolina and at times i was i i legitimately was watching that game and I looked over at the buddy I was watching with. I go, he is putting the team on his back. I mean, he just oh my gosh. he looked so tired by the end. Like you could tell his legs were just rubber, and he was just fighting for everything. Um, and, and yeah, they came away with a loss against North Carolina, but but also the fact with Juice Wells being out. Um, yeah, he hasn't been playing. He and, played a little bit against North Carolina and a little bit against Furman. Yeah, ahead. I mean that was just a that was just a decoy say he was there yeah i mean that that was good old gamesmanship so i mean juice xavier's had to pick up all the slack with y'all's number one wide receiver being out and and he has done that and then so so he's been great just throw the ball up to him just launch it in the air to him that's our new strategy and it's working all right tuck you go next we'll do this like a snake draft all right your next uh my next stud is going to be Jaquavius Marks, Mississippi Love State it. running stud. back. Stud. Total stud. I mean, this guy had 40, has 43 carries, 250 yards, and three touchdowns on the ground through two weeks. He had 155 of his team's 307 yards last week. Um, and the week before that, he had 186 yards total, including receiving. So, I mean, this guy has well over 300 all-purpose yards on the ground and receiving. I think last week he was their leading receiver and runner. Um, So, look, respect. And another thing I put into consideration when I was looking at these things is you're not getting stud or dud if you – you're not getting stud status if your team lost. You know, if you're – if you're gonna, if you're gonna be look bad for the SEC, then you ain't. You're not a stud. I don't, I don't care what you did. Um, 
All right. Well, that's a good segue to mine. So <laughs> my next stud was uh, Texas A&M's wide receiver, Evan Stewart, <laughs> who, uh, who lost to Miami. So I, we, I guess we're thinking about studs and duds differently, but that's I like right. that. If you want to be a stud, you got to win. I like that approach. Um, no, look, we can have different approaches to this. If, if yeah. I mean, he can still be a stud and lose, but in my mind, he can get it a different week. If when they actually win the game, that's why Xavier Leggett won it for me this week, not last week. And talk, that's why this is such a good podcast. I was reading some of our reviews on Apple Review, and one of the one of the reviews was, "Wow, these these co-hosts have unbelievable chemistry." And that's moments like this, <laughs> different thoughts with studs and duds. Uh, Evan Stewart, eleven for one forty-two, caught everything that was thrown his way. Sticky hands, unbelievable route runner. Once again, I'm comparing him to Devonta Smith. I, I think this guy's unbelievable. I think he's a stud. It's that simple. And honestly, Texas A&M, his, his target share is like 50% already on the season. I think it should be even more. I think he should basically get all the entirety of the target share. So he's a stud for me. And then we're going snake. So it's my turn again. I'm going to that Mississippi State game. I mentioned him earlier. Jet Johnson, 11 tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and two interceptions. He's single. If you want to talk about single-handedly winning a football game, I look at Jaquavius Marks as their running back and Jet Johnson as a linebacker. Those two those two essentially won the game for Mississippi State. Those were two. Yeah, because I think they had four picks in that game in total. Yeah. And so I mean yep. keeping Arizona down, that I mean, that was huge. Jet was just he was all over the field. I mean, he he was disruptive. It, in every phase defensively i that was really a, a one of the best that's one of the best defensive performances i can i can remember in the sec and in a little bit of time here yeah no he's a total stud deserves some credit um so my next one is actually a group of people and I, I, uh, I i i okayed it with with Dan beforehand that, that we could do it this way. Cause actually the rest of my people are a group of people, not individuals. Um, but UGA secondary, um, yeah, studs, studs, total studs thing. It's the best in the country. Um, Von Bullard, please get healed. Uh, he, he went out in this game, but hopefully he'll be back by South Carolina. If not, hopefully shortly after, I mean, they held the opposing quarterbacks. They had a couple of them play to 18 for 37 for 147 yards and three interceptions. Um, and I get that it's against Ball State, but this Ball State team against Kentucky just last week put up 223 yards and a touchdown with 77% completion rating. Um, and they controlled the entirety of the clock against Kentucky. And UGA just shut that down got turnovers and i think those little things kind of helped our offense turnover as well Tuck, remind our listeners who sort of the big four are for uga i mean yeah devon bullard's a star right malachi starks you know me i'm big in recruiting i think he was like the number three player in the entire country yeah he had a big pick he's awesome in yeah. this last game and then uh, Tyke Smith, he's the transfer, right? Didn't he transfer? Yeah, from so he transferred West from Virginia. West Virginia. He's our star player. Yeah, um, he's awesome. And, and our cornerbacks are studs too. Um, yeah, y'all got a bunch of good cornerbacks. Yeah, so we got Dalen Everett at cornerback and Kamari Lasseter 
and uh, oh, yeah. those that's, two. That Kamari Laster guy's a stud. Yeah, they're both studs. And, and then Javon Buller and Malachi Starks are the, the two best safeties in the country by far. I mean, I, I yeah. think like in a lot of these preseason rankings, they were the number one and number two safety. Um, and then Tyke Smith is also a stud, and he's playing in the star position. And, and he, I mean, he had an interception in this game as well. So we should do a podcast just about safeties because I, I agree with you. I think Georgia's got the best. Like when you look at let's call it your your three safeties, I think Georgia's got the best safety room in the country. And I honestly think South Carolina has the second best. South Carolina has three young absolute dogs at safety that are really good and sort of nationally renowned too. So the safety position close to our heart on this podcast. That's but, right. Yeah, that, those Georgia DBs, dogs, dogs, studs, studs, studs and duds. So let's call them studs. Let's go to duds. I'll kick us off. So my duds were big name running backs. Like Quinshot Judkins is supposed to be the best running back in the SEC. He's supposed to be either the best or second best running back in the country, preseason All-American. He has done absolutely nothing for me through the first two weeks of college football, 18 for 48 against Tulane. And I did not think he looked good. The other one, Jace McClellan, I've mentioned him, Alabama. He was supposed to be the next star running back for Alabama, 12 for 45 against Texas. Didn't show me much. Wasn't breaking tackles. Didn't have a lot of vision. Didn't look very fast or shifty. A couple of duds there. And, People were saying preseason, Quidshot Judkins and Jason McClellan could be, you know, your one and two SEC running backs. And it certainly hasn't looked that way through two weeks of the season. No, I agree with you. I think we were all looking to them to put up some fun numbers, fun stats, fun highlights, and we've gotten absolutely none of that so far. Nothing. Dud. Total dud. Um, I've got Alabama's offensive line. Um, they allow nine tackles for loss. Five I didn't know sacks. we could do that, but I like it. <laughs> you know, I, uh, that's what the rest of these are, so get used to it. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, they just look gas at the end of the game. Um, I, we talked a lot about it when we were talking earlier, but, I mean, these were supposed to be real good, I mean, a, a insane offensive line. And I, I do think Milro, if he has all the time in the world, is a great quarterback. Um, but – they're not giving him that time. And not to mention, we kind of were looking at this team and we're saying, hey, this is going to be an Alabama team of old, you know? Oh, yeah. Ground oh, and yeah. pound, good defense. Literally, I've literally been saying that. You're yeah. Exactly right. I mean, that's how they're going to win the national championship. Nick Saban is so pumped to have this team. And they averaged 3.1 yards per carry against Texas, only rushed for 107 yards. Um, their line just wasn't opening holes. They didn't seem to be getting anywhere when they ran the ball. Uh, the quarterback was playing scramble drill pretty much the entire game. Yeah. I just – this week, for me, Alabama's line was a total dud. Dud. That was not the Alabama offensive line we thought we were getting preseason. Like you said, they were supposed to be a top three or four offensive line nationally. That has not been the case. Dud. Dud. Tuck, you're next. Like I said, uh, we're going snake. You got the next. <laughs> the, so I am going for my dud AM secondary. Yeah. Um, yep. Again, we talked about this when we were going over the games, but allowing Tyler Van Dyke 
to be 21 for 30 with 374 yards and five touchdowns. They allowed seven passes over 20 yards. Uh, Miami really only had 77 yards on the ground uh, in this game. So it felt like A&M did a good job from that standpoint. But how do you give up 48 points and only give up 77 yards on the ground? Unbelievable. Uh, the secondary was just getting torched. I mean, there were times that looks like they're – no one was even there. And so I don't know if that was a schematic situation or the players weren't there, but they are the biggest reason that they lost to Miami. Tuck, there are so many holes in that secondary. It had me craving Swiss cheese. Almost had to go to Rocky's Deli and get a sandwich. <laughs> Unbelievable. The worst part about that secondary is it's littered with elite, elite recruits. It is. Talent. It's what great. is happening? They're You're talented. Right. It's a it's a talented group from a rankings perspective, but it was you're right. It was a bunch of duds, bunch of duds. You nailed it, Tuck. You're gonna love this next one. I've intentionally kept this one from you so you could hear it here live on the podcast. I can't wait. My second my second dud of the week. Some of the listeners may already know where we're going. Brock Bowers calling you out, baby. Calling out at one catch for three yards against Ball State, Tuck. Dud. Died. You know what? I'm just glad for this soundbite so we can give Brock <laughs> uh, the one person in the country <laughs> that's not, you know, that doesn't think he's the best player in the SEC. No, um, I think I think Brock Bowers. Let me let me let me state that I I think Brock Bowers might be the best player, one of the best players in college football. So I just when I saw he had one catch for three yards, my first thought was. Well, I watched that game, and it seemed like he was at least playing in the first half. So, yeah, I just, no, and I look, I, I wish he got more stats. This is this is why I will never vote on a Georgia player to win the Heisman. But, um, yeah. no, 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 we just, have, you know, it's good and bad. I, I feel like we just have this championship approach to where we're not going to show anyone anything from a Ball State game. We're not going to do anything creative to get Brock Bowers open. We're going to hit him on those end arounds. We're going to hit him on some curls. Like, but we don't get. And you know, he didn't have his best game. I'm not going to say he did. He, he had a couple balls that typically Brock Bowers comes down with. Truthfully, it's kind of one of those. Um, but that's just because you're so used to him being a freak. <laughs> and and yeah. making these incredible catches, and, and so you know there were some contested catches that he just he he didn't come down with this game. And uh, uh, if this is Brock Bowers' worst game against Ball State in a game that didn't matter, I'm okay with it. Yeah, it's a good good time for him to lay an egg and and be one of our duds of the week. I guess this is, uh, I, I, this I don't is, think he ever deserves to be on this list, but <laughs> this is going to be the take that actually makes our podcast go viral. <laughs> Random SEC podcast called Brock Bowers, a dud, possibly the best player in college football, a dud. Love that, Brock. If you're listening, we do love you. I just I saw the one catch for three yards and thought that's a dud. That's a dud of the week. <laughs> I love it. That felt good. Felt good to take a shot at the champs. Uh, then I'm next. So my next duds are, this is a two-part dud, Tuck, so I'm learning from you a little bit. And that's Auburn quarterbacks not named Holden Garner. So that's, <laughs> Peyton, that's Peyton Thorne. That's Robbie Ashford. These guys cannot throw the football, Tuck. And as a quarterback, you have to be able to throw the football. And Hugh Freeze is going to want them to throw the football. And these 
these two are looking like total duds. When we did our QB rankings, I had them actually ranked as the the 14th, the worst starters as the sort of the either or. Um, and I think the more I look back at that, the more I think, man, I sort of nailed it. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I mean, looking through that game, that offensive performance, I mean, it is tough. It is tough to look at. And so I, you got to, at the end of the day, to a degree, bring that back to the quarterback. If if he's not doing what he needs to do and not making plays, then there's only so much you can do. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, Tuck, finish this off. Final dud of the week. All right, Dan, you're gonna like this one because it's not a position group, it's not a player, it's the entire well, like it. SEC. Wow, the entire SEC we, dud of the week. We started with this, and I, but I want to end with it because, I mean, look, we talked early on about how the SEC West was going to be good this year. We thought a yeah. and might sit there. He, he, who knows? They could surprise us and get up there with LSU, Alabama. You know, we, we could have two teams in the playoff, all these things, and our top three contenders in the West, Alabama, LSU, and A&M, have fallen to Texas, yeah. Florida State, and Miami, respectively. And wow. so we got that happening at the top of the conference. In the bottom of the SEC West, we've got Mississippi State and Auburn barely beating Arizona and Cal. Yeah. And it's like, you know, thanks for pulling it out, but we now know kind of where you stand. Um, and I'd like to say the East is better, but outside of the cupcake games that Georgia and Tennessee have been playing, we've got Florida and South Carolina losing to Utah and UNC. Yeah, not good. Utah and UNC barely beat Baylor and App State the following week, you know? So it's not like those teams are really good. Um, and then you got Vandy just getting handled by Wake, which, you know, Throw Vandy a bone. We always, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll always throw Vandy a bone. We don't care too much what they do. Um, and then Missouri having to pull it out last minute against MTSU. I mean, the South SEC is just down bad this year. And what kind of bothers me is the fact that we're about to get into conference play this week, which I'm very excited about. Um, but Somehow this narrative is going to dissipate. I, I just know it's going to happen. And so somehow uh, us SEC fans, we're, we're going to build ourselves up, build ourselves up. We're going to be beating each other. Georgia's going to look good against South Carolina. Alabama and LSU will probably look good against their lesser West opponents. And we're going to be like, oh, they're back. We're all back. But the truth is we haven't proved it against anyone else. And I think the whole group is down and I, you know, I'm scared come bowl season this year. I'm, I'm scared I, come playoffs. I agree. You, you said it perfectly. The SEC is down bad right now. The SEC is usually the, you know, bully pushing the other conferences like the ACC around. And that has just not been the case this year. Um, yeah. I mean, it used to be the bully. We're sort of getting bullied. Outside of Georgia, the SEC is so top-heavy right now because it looks like we have legitimately one playoff potential team, and that's Georgia. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, truthfully, yeah. I'm we're like, not going to know with Georgia because they're not playing anybody. Yeah, I mean, I, and it's not like we've looked flawless. You know, no. it's not like last year we came out and we beat Oregon 49-3 to week one. 
Like, do yeah. I think this team would have done that? Absolutely not. Um, I mean, it was zero to zero against Ball State at the end of the first quarter, for gosh sakes. Yeah, I mean, it's just now. I look, we had like two great quarters against Ball State that sure. I've seen, but outside of that, I haven't seen Georgia be the Georgia of the past two years. In all honesty, now, am I sitting here thinking we're talented enough? Yes. I mean, will we make will we make that next step against South Carolina? Probably, but. Until I see it, I'm not sitting there saying Georgia's, a, you know, a world beater. I'm not saying that we're a, a step above anyone in the SEC. Well, I mean, in Georgia, they're not going to play a ranked team until the 10th game of the season. I mean, right. we're going to have to wait around to, to see what we've got there. But, yeah, it's hard to – you can't really count out the two-time undefeated national champions. No. Hard to I, count them out. Don't count us out. I mean, again, I, I'm just not taking much from the – as I call them, D2 schools. Um, sure, from Tuck's D2 schools. Yeah, I, I mean, did we look great? No. Does it really matter? No. We'll know more next week against South Carolina, but even that game's probably not going to tell us too much. I think you're not going to get a lot of data from that. Um. So, we'll see. All right, Tuck. Well, great episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Big SEC Guys. We are now on Apple Podcast and Spotify Podcast. Please follow, like, subscribe, and leave a review if you've enjoyed the show. The end.